Hello. Today's episode is a special edition as I'm out of the country for agency business until Tuesday night. In those four days of absence, though, we are bringing you some deep dive interviews with marketing scientists. These interviews are usually exclusive to members of the premium podcast or our premium newsletter, but we're bringing you four of these during my absence. If you like what you hear and want to learn more about the premium podcast, just tap go premium in the show notes. Our regular marketing newscasts return when I'm back on Wednesday. Enjoy. We have a lot of metrics available to us in the various platforms, ad managers, CPMs, clicks, reach. And one of the numbers marketers often keep an eye on is frequency. Frequency, of course, a measure of how many times an average person in your target group has seen your ad. There's great debate about what that number should be. When I started my career in marketing almost 30 years ago, the going wisdom was that 27 was the magic number. Why? Because people thought it took nine exposures to an ad to make a decision and that people only actually remember one out of every three ads. Nine times three was 27. These days, of course, that number seems ludicrously high. And I think most people in our space believe that number should be between two and five, depending on what funnel stage you're at. Any more, and consumers become weary and start to get negative feelings about the ad. There's been a lot of research on how much frequency is too much, but that research to date has focused on near-term results, more immediate effects, which is odd considering the whole point of marketing is to build a long-term relationship between the brand and the consumer. Is it possible that if we push through the uncomfortably high frequency, yes, even if that generates short-term negative feelings, that eventually the consumer will warm up to the brand? That's what Anne Cronrod and her colleagues sought to answer, and they published their findings in a paper called How Time Can Reverse the Negative Effect of Frequent Advertising Repetition on Brand Preference. She's an assistant professor of marketing at the University of Massachusetts and joins me now. Dr. Cronrod, welcome. Hello. Can I just say the title of your paper would make for lousy clickbait, considering you give away the result in the title? (laughs) (laughs) And truth be told, that was the subtitle. The main title of your paper was actually Ad Wear Out, Wear Out. So that ad fatigue itself eventually fatigues. Is that right? Uh, We're mainly talking about ad annoyance more than ad fatigue, but Wear Out kind of combines together, I think, uh, annoyance and and fatigue. And you tested for three factors, actually, annoyance, memory, and brand preference. Can you walk us through each of those? Yes. Yeah, so um, in, in your introduction, you were actually mentioning um, that people might be very annoyed with ads, uh, especially in the short term. Um, and the question, what happens in the long term with uh, what happens with this annoyance and also with a parallel process, I guess, that is, uh, which is memory. So there are, these are two parallel processes that happen when you see an ad or whatever, and both of them get higher the more times you repeat an ad. So if you repeat an ad many times, someone would get more annoyed with it. That makes sense. But also, I was just saying, let's not forget, people will also remember it better. So the outcome of this is, okay, so if I repeat the ad many times, then people get annoyed with it and remember it. Well, is it good or bad for business? And what we're trying to, uh, to see and what we 
managed to see eventually in uh, uh, field experiments that we ran on campus, but also in uh, uh, more controlled lab experiments, is that over time, there's an interesting thing that happens. Annoyance, which is kind of a negative feeling, tends to fade much faster than memory. So you're kind of uh, over time, uh, and when I say over time, I mean about two to three weeks, which is not a lot of time, actually. Over time, you tend to kind of forget that you were annoyed. The annoyance tends to go down. But memory actually keeps for a while, for a long while. It, it just keeps high at the same level for a longer time, uh, which is a very interesting thing that it's kind of, it's for any type of, it's not only for advertising, it's, it would be for any type of, of uh, stimulus. We, we call it stimuli. Um, so like for faces if, or, or for people, if someone is, uh, you know, you, you see them repeatedly and they keep annoying you, but then after a few years you meet them, you forget that you were annoyed and you actually, you remember them uh, better. You're asking, so wait, what about the preference? <laughs> that's the third. Uh, that's the outcome. So if, at, if, if, if I'm measuring, and that's what happens a lot in uh, marketing, as you mentioned, if I'm measuring the outcomes of ad repetition um, in terms of preference for a brand, if I do that immediately, I will see reduction in, in brand preference because I'm repeating the ad too much and it's annoying, right? But then over time, this ad preference would be increased. So people would be more likely to prefer that brand for which the advertisements were more frequent, which is good news for marketers, of course. Did you get a sense of where that tipping point is? Is it, is it based on time, like after three months of heavy ad rotation or maybe impressions? Like once you hit a frequency of 30, then things will eventually in the long term turn around. Did you identify a, a numerical tipping point? So we did have uh, an experiment that was over time. Uh, it didn't last for months. We actually, we didn't have to because what we saw is that, uh, so we had people uh, kind of exposed at the same time. So it, when if you're asking about how long should I keep the repetition going, this we had for technical reasons. We had to do that kind of all at once. So people were exposed to the same ads in our experiments kind of within the same like half an hour, which is very frequent, of course. So, so it, it was uh, uh, in that sense maybe less realistic. But then after that, they were not exposed to the ads. So we can talk about the time lag between the ex exposure. I don't know how long it took uh, and how many exposures you could uh, play with that. And then the next time that you have to make a decision. And uh, there's something interesting that happens in between these two um, occasions. So when you're exposed to some information, then you have to make a decision when you are exposed to um, to the advertisement, that's not necessarily the time when you actually think about purchasing something, right? Like, um, I don't know, um, uh, wedding halls so uh, uh, or venues. So we're exposed to these advertising, but we don't consider getting married all the time. When time comes, and this happens, it, it could happen years after you were exposed to that repeating advertisement for a particular venue. When time comes, 
that's when you actually form your attitudes about the venue. And mm. at that time, it's really important that you are not annoyed anymore, according to our results at least, but you remember this particular venue. So it's, it's really good news for, for marketers because it means that I can repeat frequently, repeat my advertisement, and then I don't have to insist that people run and rush to purchase a product immediately. Actually, it would be in my benefit to wait. I see. So it's more, it's less about, it's less about the specific time frame, and it's more about timing the offer. Um, you know, I'm thinking like maybe a, a resort in Mexico, you know, where people are not shopping for resorts in Mexico in the heat of summer. Usually they want right. to go in the winter. So you maybe you run all the repetition during that summer phase so that and then stop yes. so that when they are in the winter, enough time has passed for the annoyance to wear off and the memory and brand preference to kick in. Is that more or less right? Yes. Yes. I don't want to insist on the three weeks that I mentioned before of the time lag, just because the way I uh, um, achieved these three weeks was experimental. It was in clean conditions. People didn't see any other advertisements during that time. So uh, it, it, within the context of, of, uh, of my experiments. So it's, it's not as realistic. And therefore, I'm, I'm being cautious saying, oh, it's three weeks or three and a half weeks. I don't want to do that. But this is kind of, that's the, the time frame that I find uh, in my experiments. So uh, we can start from that. I thought how you tested this in, in one of your experiments was both fascinating and a little funny, given that it involved hundreds of rubber spiders. Oh, yeah. Uh, could you <laughs> tell me about your testing methodology? Let's start with the posters. Okay. So uh, first, this was for Halloween, which is an American, um, uh, an American uh, holiday. Um, and it, it is all about spooky stuff, right? Uh, and uh, we, we ran the experiment uh, in university residence halls in dormitories um, where people actually decorate the rooms uh, with uh, different stuff. And they have Halloween parties. Students, uh, at least in the United States, they really love Halloween as, uh, as a time to party. Uh, and, and they use lots of spooky things. So we just, we bought a whole bunch of like hundreds of those really small um, spiders, you know, like as a decoration. Um, and we kept them in a closed, like in, in, a, in a closed box. So, so people don't know what we have for them. But before, before we sold or we didn't sell them, we actually gave them away for free. But before we did that, we advertised Halloween and uh, the giveaway, and you did this through posters in the uh, in the dorms, right? Right. So we we designed two posters, and kind of a, it was indeed very much fun to design the posters, to think about the ad copy and uh, all this stuff. And uh, kind of we, as as academics, we don't get to design ads that often. So I was uh, really having fun being a uh, and copywriter myself. So uh, this this was really fun, um, and then we uh, the. The difference, why did we have more than one poster? Because one of the posters, we kind of manipulated the number of repetitions and the number of times it would be on the wall by just leaving it on the wall for longer period. So students that go by the, the board, they would see it over and over again every day. 
and hopefully get annoyed by having it so so for for so many so many days so we had we had kind of to talk to the administration not to take it off and then uh in the other hall we put another um another poster and we kept it for a lesser time uh online and we wanted to see if students would remember the poster if uh, and if students would prefer any of the two brands it was we kind of we designed it as if the spiders were coming from two different brands mm. so eventually we had people choose between the two brands and uh, hoped and actually that's what we also saw that um when ha- halloween actually came and it was time to really make a decision uh, like i mentioned before you you form a decision you form your attitude when it's time to do that not when you see the ad so when they saw the ad they were just you know they remembered it and they were annoyed by it both and the more frequently or the more days it was up the more annoyed and the better they remembered it so later they kind of forgot about the annoyance the annoyance went down and they chose more they preferred to get the present from the the ad that the brand that was represented in the more frequent ad and and can you t- explain sort of how that actually sort of uh, worked? Did you have like a table set up with two boxes, one from brand A, one from brand B, and then they just had to pick which one? That's exactly what we did. Yes. Yeah, that's what we did. The The interesting thing that happens is, um, and it has a it has a name, but it doesn't matter, uh, that over time, it's a survival mechanism, that over, over time, we tend to kind of decay and and put aside everything that is negative in our experiences and we just keep going with only the positive ones uh so so that's how we explain why annoyance goes goes away so fast compared to memory you have one unheard message hi i was calling current the influencer marketing platform but i think i just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, <laughs> I could really use Current. <laughs> I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Were they ever told that they had been part of an experiment with those posters? Well, yes, because actually after, so if you're asking, you know, in terms of, uh, of uh, like ethical conduct, uh, you, if you run a field experiment and you need people uh, to not know that they're in an experiment and behave naturally, one of the things that you often would do is uh, it's called debriefing. You would tell them later when they're done, when you are done with them, you would tell them that um, 
that now we're we're ready. Now um, um, you have actually been part of an experiment, and uh, there's no risks to you. And here's what happened. And if you're interested to learn more, here's my email, etc. I guess one of the limitations of that approach, though, is that people were getting a free gift rather than making a purchase. Do you think the results would have been different if you'd have tested purchase intent? Yeah, this is definitely one of the limitations of uh, anything that involves an experiment versus an actual, you know, actually selling something. Uh, we in academia, we're often limited because we can't have any financial interest. So I we are often not allowed to take money for anything. Uh, and sometimes experimenters even take money and then return it back to people if they're able, in our case, when we weren't able to track back the students, you know, and, and get, them, get them back. I wasn't testing people's um, ability or uh, likelihood to part with uh, cents or dollars. I was testing preference. So this is just kind of to, to remind that this was my um, dependent variable. <laughs> this was what I was uh, looking at and, and not so much about willingness to pay or would I buy it or not. But I agree with you that a nice extension of, of this research would be to actually try it with purchase. And the, and the rubber spiders thing was, was an in-person thing. I felt that your second test the second experiment was a little closer to our world in terms of digital marketing. Can you talk about the travel mug ads? Sure. This was the long-term kind of experiment where uh, people saw one of, uh, they saw two ads. They were reading an, uh, an article. And, you know, sometimes when you read an online article, there are ads that pop up. And I was trying to create this sort of experience when you're, you're reading an article online and some ads pop up and you can just get rid of them by clicking the X, right? It's, it's not too much, but if they keep coming, then it's, uh, it's ad repetition that happens from my perspective. That's what I wanted, right? So the, the ads for these two, uh, just travel mag, mugs, regular mugs, um, that, again, it was a little bit of fun for me because I designed the lousy ads for those mugs. The ads weren't very good because I'm not very a very good copywriter, I guess. But So uh, the ads were not amazing by themselves. So that's, that's another kind of, it's a more, we would say, more conservative test. So the ads weren't that good. They were annoying by themselves. And then they also repeat during your reading of the article. So uh, people kept reading the article. They didn't notice necessarily which ad appeared and when, which is also important because it's kind of it's not a very um, conscious process. And then when they finished reading the article, we gave them uh, a, a lag of time. So some people completed the next stage where they were saying which of the um of the mugs they would prefer, the, and some of the one of the art, sorry, one of the ads uh, repeated more often than the other. That was the difference between the two the two conditions, I guess, if you would say this way. So some people responded the next day. Some people responded after a week, two weeks, three weeks, so uh, uh, and so on. So and and we were able to actually see a continuum, not just 
two spots, we were able to see a continuum of what happened to their annoyance towards the ads the, and compare the more frequent and the less frequent one and what happened to their memory of the ads. So we were able to see not only preference, but also the why, why they preferred. So the, this was a very nice um, explanation for what is going on. That annoyance goes down very sharply, but then memory kind of sticks and keeps going for many weeks after you saw the ad. Are there any instances where this play for long-term results, even though you are initially sacrificing a bit of negative sentiment against your brand, knowing that that will wear off, so that that sort of play for the long-term brand preference, are there any instances where that would backfire? I think when you make the mistake of trying to remind people, so you're trying to... uh, introduce or include elements from the ad, not only the product, but elements from the ad, like the jingle or the uh, the copy elements from the ad, and you're reminding of the ad itself, that might be a mistake to do because at this point you're reminding of the annoyance that was long forgotten. Oh, I see. Right. So in the short term, so, so because this is a short term uh Uh, annoyance you want to kind of leave an actual real gap without any reminding yeah i'm i'm pausing because it's it seems counter to everything we are taught in marketing right which is set up your offer and then every week or so or every day or every you know x period like constantly sort of be in there in fact there are retargeting campaigns which are evergreen which are on kind of set it and forget it you know where they where someone will uh, um, spend time on a website or they will engage with a post and suddenly they are in a bucket of people who are just going to see this ad constantly over the next X number of months. Whereas your research has found, actually, you should stop after a, a heavy cycle of repetition and let it marinate. Yes, I agree. I agree. This is kind of a, in, in that sense, uh, what I'm suggesting is different from the mainstream that would say just keep advertising and um and the main difference would be that i'm looking into the future i'm i'm saying okay so frequency of repetition is something that has been explored in the short run so what would happen and, and in in academia people explore and they kind of they repeat the ads and immediately test what happens after that and obviously memory is great but annoyance as well yeah, I don't know of any other study that studied uh, or identified a, like a long-term reversal of the effect of ad repetition. Was this a new finding to the world of marketing science? I hope so. <laughs> yes, but there was another paper that we um, we reference in uh, in our article that found something kind of similar. But we are explaining. Uh, I just I I'm not sure I want to go into it. It's a little bit complex. Uh, there was one experiment that was actually a field experiment uh, in, in um, I think it was the Super Bowl or uh, some some sports game, and I'm sorry if I'm blanking on the exact sports game, um, that um, where we they found that over time, ads that were repeated during the game, later people, the more frequently they were repeated, people tend to purchase them. Over time, they tend to purchase them more, which is a, that's an actual marketing um, outcome. 
of course. Your testing was done in 2017. Since then, ad platforms have matured. The, the products that they offer the in terms of the actual ad products have gotten smarter. Even like entirely new platforms like TikTok have come along and dominated. Do you think there'd be a difference in your results if you were to test this today? Yeah, so it depends how what, what part of the change over time that we're looking at. Um, so, for example, I think one change that has occurred is uh, that ads today are more personalized due to the uh, collection of data when when you browse. So browsing data and uh, you get, you know, if you're browsing and looking for, I don't know, handbags, suddenly on Facebook you get ads or handbags, right? And um, so, so in that sense, since the the ads are more relevant to you in the first place, now that they are personalized, there will be a reduction of the annoyance. I would, I would expect it to be less annoying, even if it repeats. It would be, you would feel that it's less annoying because it's relevant to you. All of this, mm. up to the point when you made the purchase. Once you made the purchase, it's not relevant to you anymore, and now it gets annoying again. And hopefully people who are marketing who are setting up those retargeting ads are excluding people who have purchased or maybe even putting them in a in a bucket for targeting for a different product like an upsell or or something like that um what made you want to study this uh well it started actually from the relevance from the last point we just talked about uh the the and, and the earlier stages of this research were specifically about relevance um, I find the, like the, the concept of relevance very interesting because I think it can move mountains, metaphorically speaking. It can change everything. As, uh, for example, I showed in previous uh, research that has not got uh, published into, in, in this article that if you advertise frequently about stuff that is relevant to people, they don't get as annoyed. Or actually, they don't even get annoyed at all. But if you advertise about something that is not relevant, that's when you get to their, you know, <laughs> to their bad side. And you, you don't want to, to get there. Well, I thought it was a very interesting study. Um, I, I thought, you know, it, I, I always like trying to, trying to find studies which present a, a bit of a counter to the best practices of our world, which, you know, I think in digital marketing practitioners, I think often we fall into um, a, a mindset or an approach where we kind of lock in and perceive that to be the best practice and only the best practice. And so it's often, I find it very refreshing to find someone who, who presents a counter or an alternative way of, of handling it. Um, Anne Cronod is an assistant professor of marketing at the University of Massachusetts. Dr. Cronod, thank you so much for your time. Thank you very much. Thank you. By the way, Dr. Cronrod is looking for partners in the industry to help with other research she's working on, specifically around linguistics. So if you have any data sets of user-generated content, like reviews or a whole bunch of social media comments, that you'd be willing to share in exchange for some intelligence about what your customers really think about your product or service, she would like to hear from you. Her email address is Anne, that's A-N-N, underscore Cronrod, which is K-R-O-N-R-O-D at U-M-L dot E-D-U.
Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. You just take your shot. It doesn't feel like you're on a diet. What I wasn't expecting it to do was to shut off the food noise. This was life-altering, and if I can do it, I feel like anybody can do it. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.